Thank you for joining in for this City Lights Church podcast. We're a new church in the north of Brisbane, and you can find out more about us at www.citylights.community. We hope that this podcast encourages you in your journey of following Jesus. So we chat things, leadership and ministry. He challenges me and helps me grow more into the likeness of Christ. And, and, uh, and I've got to tell you, you guys have great pastors. They, um, what they have established here uh, in Kedron already in the north side of Brisbane is incredible. It's not easy planning a church. That's where God sends his best. Like the, you know, the, the two-bit second-rate pastors, we just transition churches. But like the actual... First class, you know, warrior type generals in the faith, they go plant churches and go take territory. They're the Joshuas and the Calebs that go spy out the land and say, this is ours, the Lord has given it. And, uh, and, and, uh, and sometimes you don't know what's right in front of you. And I've got to let you know, you guys have great pastors and, uh, and, and they're, they're, taking, they're taking territory for the kingdom. And, uh, and, uh, and it's, it's great to be partnered and aligned with you guys and, uh, and and thank you for allowing me to come and share with your with your family today. So uh, my, my name is Josh and my wife and I, we pastor a church called Kingdom Hope and uh, that's because they're, they're probably the two messages that we carry in our heart is the message of the kingdom. That's what Jesus came teaching primarily and uh, and, and it's a privilege just to carry on in, in what Jesus uh, laid out in, in his gospel, the gospel of the kingdom, that it is here now. It's been inaugurated in his death, burial, and resurrection. And uh, we get to carry on and, and stand in hope of the fulfillment of that kingdom. Uh, and that's why we named our church that kingdom hope, that the kingdom has been established, inaugurated through Jesus. Yet we have a future hope of the kingdom being fulfilled in full in our lives, but not only in us, but also through us. And, uh, and, and so we, we ministered down there. We've got a great uh, faith family down there. It was actually where Bonnie and I met. We met in our church. She wasn't saved at the time. My wife got saved in that church, baptized, and uh, we got married in that church. And uh, the Lord has seen to it that we come back many years later. Um, I can't even, probably about a decade later, and we're now pastoring that church, which is a great privilege. And, um, and yeah, God, God's brought that uh, that full circle. Um, I, Andrew and I lecture together, in case you don't know. We're from, uh, we, we, we met at a, a Bible college called City Point Ministry College, and, um, and we hang out there. And, and in team meetings, um, I always got to let you know that um, I'm always, I'm always got to stay on my toes with Pastor Andrew in the meeting because not only is he the smartest man in the room, uh, but we're, all, we're, always, we're always texting each other when the meeting gets a bit boring. And... Um, <laughs> Secretly, silently. Don't tell anyone, Steph. Um, so, uh, so it's good to have a fun pastor. It's good to be here. Um, but you know what? We're, are we going to talk about faith? Is it right if we talk about faith today and um, how to live, live a life in the kingdom full of faith? And I want to start by, by telling you this. Faith is not complicated. It's not complicated. It will be the hardest thing that you ever live, but it's not complicated. And so how we wrestle that in our walk with Jesus Christ is sometimes not always a straight 
path and, and sometimes we take windy detours, some of them ordained by the Lord, some of them ordained by us and the Lord just kind of brings us back on track. Uh, so I want you to know that if you find faith a, a, a an ethereal kind of um, uh, nebulous type concept, um, you're not in the minority because because faith can be sometimes convoluted how we actually step out and walk out our faith in Jesus Christ. But what I want to do today is I want to just bring a simplicity to your faith because that is where faith is its most potent. But I also want to encourage you in your faith in that if it is a fight of faith for you, then you're fulfilling scripture. Every time Paul uses an analogy for faith, he often uses military terms or athletic terms. That you fight the good fight of faith, that I put on the armor, that I, that I beat my body, I compete in the race of faith. It's either athletic or military terms because there is a fight, there is a race, there is a, there is a contending for faith for us to live in our lives as disciples of Christ. Even though Jesus has fulfilled and inaugurated the kingdom in full, it is up to us also to apprehend and to lay hold of everything that has been established through the life of Jesus Christ. And, and, and the way we go about that is by harvesting the word that God has already established, not only in Jesus and through Jesus, but then also the word that is in us and through us. Jesus uh, used an analogy for the people that he was talking to in his day, which were an agricultural society, and, and, and he used this analogy with them on how to live out faith in terms of seed and harvest. Now, I've got to let you know, I think Christians are really good at seed. I think people of God are really good at seed. We, we nail seed. I cannot believe that your church has sowed over $60,000. That is incredible seed that has been sown into the kingdom of God. And, and that is just a demonstration of faith and faithfulness in God. Uh, but I've got to tell you, it's not the seed that I don't think Christians need to level up in. I think Christians since, since Jesus, since the apostles, since the first generation of Christians, generosity and Christianity are synonymous with each other. It was the first Christians that in a Roman empire that had disregarded life, had a very low value on life. It was the early church Christians that would bring in the widows, that would bring in the orphans. Free health care started, originated in the church. Uh, free education, free university started, originated in the church. There is a proud history of generosity and Christianity going hand in hand, including today, even in Australia, out of the top 10 charities in Australia, seven of them are Christian. The, the, we are a generous people. Why? Because that, our father's generous and our spiritual DNA is, is matched in his DNA. And so generosity flows through our lives. But sometimes we doubt the word of God and the ability to apprehend faith, not because our seed lacks, but often because our harvest lacks. And where we lack is not in sowing seed. Sometimes where we need to grow is actually harvesting the seed that was sown. And sometimes we can be a little bit hapless in our seed sowing and we just kind of scatter seed and not actually expect a harvest. Can you imagine a farmer who did that? Can you imagine a farmer who took seed, went out to a field, sowed the seed, was diligent in the sowing, diligent in the plowing, diligent in the, in, in the fertilizing, but then just forgot to harvest and didn't even expect to harvest. Had a friend come over for dinner. He's like, how's your crops going? I don't know. I wouldn't know how my crops are going. What do you mean you don't know? You're a farmer. How do you not know how your crops are going? Oh, I sowed the seed. 
And, and I guess it just magically appears in my silos. No, no, it doesn't magically appear in your silos. You've got to go harvest the seed that you sowed. And so Jesus, in an agricultural society, uses seed and harvest to communicate how the kingdom works. But I think it's probably something for us to actually also glean from as well. And so we could turn to Matthew 13, and we're going to have a look at a very famous parable that Jesus taught the people in his day. And the people in this audience listening to this were lay people, common people, just everyday citizens, everyday Joes, but there are also spiritual people in this congregation that are listening to, religious people, legal-minded people on how the law and God's word should work. So there is a cross-section here, not only of people who don't know God, but also people who know God and his ways. And here he is using an analogy and a metaphor for how the kingdom of God has seed time and harvest time. Let's have a read. Matthew 13, verse 1. It says, On the same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea. And great multitudes were gathered together to him, so they got into a boat and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. Then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundred, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Ask your neighbor, have you got ears this morning? Because there's a couple of things we can take out of this straight away. For starters, how this kingdom operates requires a hearing of the word. Not just ears, not just a listening, it requires a hearing of the word. Some of you have listened really good to preaching. Some of you have listened really well to the word of God. But not everyone has heard the word of God. And the second thing that we need to glean from this is that God expects a harvest. You owe the world a harvest of God's word that he birthed in you. James says, of his own will, he begat us, which is, a, which is an old-fashioned way of saying that it was God's seed that birthed your spiritual life. God's seed. God's seed birthed your spiritual life. And wherever I see God's seed, I see a harvest. So not only do we owe the world a harvest of God's seed in us, but we owe God a harvest. We owe God the 30, the 60, and the 100-fold. Here's what I would like to tell the Western church. Uh, the opposite of love is indifference. And Jesus said, by my love, you will be known as my disciples. And, and so there, there is a church that should be known by the passionate pursuit, not only of the King of Jesus, but also a harvesting, a flourishing, a, a, a crop of God's love in us. That people should see the love of the church demonstrated not only amongst each other, 
but also demonstrated in actions like Hampers for Heroes, demonstrated in actions of going and telling the neighbours about the good news of Jesus Christ, that love actually produces a harvest. Prayer life should produce a harvest. Our spiritual faith that God birthed in us, that we were dead in our trespasses, but God's seed hit our spirit and produced life in us, that life should then also be producing a harvest. See, many of us are so focused on getting to heaven, we've forgotten that actually part of our mission is to bring heaven to earth. That there should actually be an implementation of what we have received by the seed of God hitting our hearts. The, the Old Testament prophet Isaiah put it this way in Isaiah 55. He said that uh, as my thoughts are above your thoughts and my ways are above your ways, so it uh, 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 is like the seed that comes down and produces, produces a harvest. It gives bread for the eater, seed to the sower, and that is what is establishing the flourishing, so my word will prosper. So in other words, let me put it this way. Let me put it in layman's terms, in, in just everyday Aussie. What we think the word should be producing in our life, God has actually set the bar so much higher. What, what our imaginations of how, God, how good God is, he's actually so much better. But, but as the rain comes down, hits the earth, as the seed comes down, hits the harvest, God's word has come forth and he requires it to prosper. Now, who is God's word? Jesus. So Jesus' word produces a prosperity of God's word in us, but then through us. And so the word returning, it's not going to return void. Every bit of God's word does not return void. Now, God's word is Jesus himself. Jesus did not return void. He was successful. He defeated death. He defeated the grave. He established the kingdom. God's word did not return void. But yet we have a generation of Christians that are accepting a powerless word that doesn't return a harvest in our own lives. And we explain it away because we've become so intellectualized in our understanding of the, of, of the kingdom that we actually forget that it's a spiritual message that produces an actual harvest. Uh, let, let me back up a little bit. Let me, let me tell you my own story. I was 29 in the church, grew up in the church, and I was a good Christian. I was, in, I was on the worship team every week. I was a youth leader. I was, I was uh, never miss a Sunday, tithed every Sunday. Uh, like if there were Pharisees in the, in, in the INC movement, I would have been one. Like I, I performed every single Christian duty that, that, that you could perform. I, I was a good Christian. I was very, very faithful. Yet my business was bankrupt. I had to put it into administration. We weren't able to have children. We, we just there was there was no flourishing in our own desire to have children. Uh, that you know, I had debt collectors chasing me week in week out. I had I, I had no prosperity in my life whatsoever. The word of God was not producing. I was great with my seed. I sowed into my local church. I sowed in tithes. I sowed in giving. I sowed uh, into this discipleship life. I read my word. I prayed. But there was no harvest until I got hold of some teaching and tried to understand and got a hold of how faith actually works. And it was only when somebody explained to me how faith actually works, I was actually able to harvest what the word of God should be prospering in our lives. After putting our business into administration, I ended up in $150,000 of personal debt. Personal debt. After the business went into bankruptcy, I still had $150,000 of personal debt waiting for somebody to put me bankrupt, waiting for somebody to pursue me legally, to shut me down. And, and like I, I, was, I was living in anxiety. 
I was oppressed, I was, I, had, I was hopeless, yet I'd grown up in the church and listened to many preachers and I was a faithful Christian. What, where, what was wrong? And maybe that's your story right now. Maybe you've been faithful to this God story, faithful to your church, faithful in serving, faithfully tithing, faithfully giving, and, and something's just not producing the harvest that preachers like me who come along and tell you about. Maybe there's been that breakdown between seed time and harvest time. Well, I want to encourage you, faith is not complicated but it is hard. It is hard. But it's just a relentless pursuit of, of adhering to two things, the authority of God's word. But here's where I think the breakdown really lies, is in the power of God's word. I, I think many of us have submitted to the authority of God's word. We'll read God's word and, and we'll, be like, we'll be like, God, yeah, absolutely, whatever you say, I will do. But yet we lack in our understanding of the power of God's word and we don't actually believe that it can change circumstances, that when we declare it, when we pray it, when we believe it and receive it, that it has the ability for heaven to invade earth and completely turn the whole place upside down. But then there's others who are actually really committed to the power of God's word yeah, believe the word of God. It's powerful. It's alive. It's like a two-edged sword. But yet we're not submitted to the authority of God's word. We never read our Bibles. We never pray the word of God out loud. We, we never actually take time to see what great and precious promises Jesus has established for us. But it's only when we get the authority of God's word, partnering with the power of God's word, can we see the harvest of God's seed prospering in our life. And for us... I started just to believing not only the authority of God's word. I didn't have a problem with the authority of God's word. I was a good Pharisee. But I wasn't committed to the power of God's word. And so I just started believing everything that the Bible said. I believed that I was, I was actually pros, I was prosperous in him. I mean, I wasn't. I was on the verge of bankruptcy. I had debt collectors calling me. I didn't answer my phone from block numbers for about seven years. Because I, because I was just, uh, I was just totally running away from, from, uh, from, from debt. And I was in bondage and, and I, had, I was living an oppressed life, not the life of freedom. But then I just became committed to God's word. I was like, no, God says that I'm blessed, that I'm above and not beneath, that I'm the head and not the tail. That it's the blessing of the Lord that maketh rich and he adds no toil with it. That he's going to supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. That he's made all grace abound towards me. That we always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. That I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit and leads you in the way in which you should go. And I just started praying and declaring these scriptures as if they were powerful, as if they were powerful, not just submitted to the authority of God's word, but submitted to the power of God's word. And then God said, go to Bible college. And I said, you have got to be kidding me, Jesus. I am $150,000 in debt. and You want me to go become a full-time student? He said, yeah. I said, okay, on one condition, you tell my wife. <laughs> Which he didn't, I had to. <laughs> but Bonnie, being a woman, in, in, in so many ways, a greater woman of faith than what I am, she said, okay, if that's what God said, then we need to do it. You know, the, let me just take a sidestep here. Do you know that actually the main reason why the people of God didn't enter the promised land in the, in the beginning, and it says this in Hebrews chapter 4, is a lack of faith and disobedience? And sometimes it's the beautiful simplicity of Bonnie's faith that has been my saving grace because I can get all caught up in my head. But I love her simplicity of faith. If God said it, let's do it. Faithfulness and obedience will always see you enter into God's promises. But Bonnie said, okay, let's do it. Let's go to Bible. So I became a full-time Bible college student, $150,000 in debt, age of 29. No idea how this whole thing works, but just I know God had called me. And in that first year of Bible college, first year, full-time student, 
By the end of that first year, we were debt free. By the end of that, do not ask me how that happened because I have no idea still to this day. Some people just supernaturally released us from our debts. We had uh, large amounts of money just gifted to us. We had um, our income tripled that year. Out of, as a full-time student, my income tripled that year. Why? Because it was no longer my toil, no longer my labor, but it was just me being committed to the authority of God's word and the power of God's word that the kingdom was able to produce a harvest in my life. Why? Because I got out of the way and just let God's word prosper in my life. We were debt free. We now, we, we now, uh, we pay cash for everything. We, you know, our, our cars are paid in cash. We have, we have zero debt. We don't know Harvey Norman debt, no commercial debt, no credit cards, no car debt. We have a mortgage, which is a different story. That's another miracle. I'll have to tell you about another time. We've got a mortgage, uh, but that, that's the only debt we have. Why? Because we're just committed to the fact that God is our provider. He is my Jehovah Jireh. We take that not only committed to the authority of God's word, but the power of God's word. We never got pregnant. We've been trying for two years, could not have babies, just couldn't have babies. No, no, matter, no matter how much we prayed or believed, but it was when we gave authority and power to God's word and we started believing and, uh, and, and, and a man of God came and laid hands on, on Bonnie and I and, and you know that, that next month we were pregnant. We were pregnant with our first one. And then every single child after that, you know, it was as soon as we decided we wanted to, we were, there was even the third one, it was like we decided and then a week later we had the pregnancy test and my reaction to Bonnie was like, what? How? And then I realized what I'd asked. And I'm like, no, wait a minute. That's not what I meant. Like, I mean, we only just talked about this and we're already pregnant. Like, and so that, and we got to four kids and we're like, when, okay, we need to stop operating in this anointing right now. We need, we need to dial the faith back a little bit. Like, and, and so we, we've been blessed. And let, let me encourage you, like, you, you can have as many children as you desire that God's word will prosper in your womb and it will bring life to where death was and God's word will not only be the authority but also the power of your life. And, and, and I've I got faith for babies, so you, you want me to lay hands on you, I will believe and stand with you because that was me. That was us. We had a desire, we had a desire for babies and we, we couldn't have them. And now, and now we're, uh, some husbands are looking at me going, bro, what are you saying? Stop it. Like, do, not, do not offer that. No. But... Uh, but yeah, that, 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 that was our story. We, we learned how to operate, how to, not only just to sow a seed of, of faith and sow a seed of word, but to, but to reap a harvest of God's word. And you know what it came down to? It didn't come down to God's word. It didn't come down to the faithfulness of God. It didn't come down to the power of the cross or the blood of Jesus Christ. You know what it came down to? It came down to the heart of the believer that the seed was hitting. In other words, my heart. That's what changed. The seed didn't change. The soil changed. And this is what Jesus is saying in this parable. That seed can hit four different hearts and produce four different outcomes, not based on the seed or the power or the authority of God's word or his will or his ways, but based purely on the soil of that heart. Now, we isolate that parable often to salvation, and that's true. That's a great application of this scripture. But it's also true of everything else in salvation. See, we, we confess with our mouth and we believe in our head that Jesus is Lord. Is that right? No, is we believe in our heart. So how do you receive salvation? You confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So where does faith happen? Faith happens in the heart. The heart is where we need to lay hold of and believe. Why? Because the heart is the soil 
of our faith. Let's go on and, and see what Jesus says about this. He says this, therefore, the parable of the sower is this. He's explaining it to his disciples and he says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes out and snatches it away, what was sown in his heart. This is he who has received the seed by the wayside. In other words, uh, l- let me put it this way. Like I'm going to preach a message of faith right now and I'm going to tell you about how awesome God is and how his word is powerful, his word is alive, that there's authority to God's word. You can change your circumstances. You can alter your destiny. You can alter your future based on the word of God by declaring it, praying it, believing it. And you'll even probably, I'll, I'll even get some you know, agreement from you about that. But there, there are some of us who are going to walk out of this room and by the time you've even hit the car park, uh, you know, there's going to be a thought that's going to come into your head, uh, mostly by the enemy, maybe even just by yourself and it's going to be something along the lines of yeah but did God really say and he hasn't changed his modus operandi for the whole story of humanity because that's exactly what he said to Adam and Eve did, did God really say and, and, and that's the thought that comes throughout and it's seed that hits the soil of our heart but it's snatched away by the lies of the enemy did God really say that healing was for you today Did God really say that you were to prosper in your finances? Did God really say that your loved ones would see salvation? Did God really say there was supernatural protection for your life? And and, and this is seed that hits your heart. You read it in the word. And by the time you hit the car park, it's been stolen. It's been stolen by doubt, fear, and maybe not so much the enemy out there, but maybe the enemy in me. Because it's seed that's just snatched away from the top. But there's, a, there's another believer. Now, just so you know, these, are, I'm just, these top three, these are what Christians do at other churches. I'm just letting you know, not in, not in this church, but there are other, other believers in other churches that do this kind of stuff. But I know you guys here are all word people, word of faith. Uh, you know, $60,000 in your legacy offering. That's, I'm still blown back by that. Uh, but anyone, then, then there's another one. He who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now, these guys are doing a little bit better than the car park. These guys make it to Monday lunch in their workplace. Until somebody actually asks them, oh, you don't actually believe that faith stuff, do you? You don't actually believe that God does miracles today, do you? You don't, you don't actually believe that God wants you to prosper. You're not one of those, one of those faith people, are you? And, and then because we have no root in ourselves, we haven't actually dug into the Word of God ourselves and figured out what it, what it was that it actually said. Perhaps you're just waiting for Pastor Andrew or Pastor Beck to come and give you a message and, and the only feeding on the Word that you do is the 30 minutes that are preached every Sunday and that's producing about that much soil in your life as opposed to going home and meditating on the Word, researching the Word, digesting the Word, sitting with Holy Spirit in that Word and getting your soil from that much to this much and enabling a deeper richness in the soil of your heart for that seed to hit and to produce a harvest. So that when somebody at your workplace comes along and says, oh, you don't believe that actual that, that faith stuff, you go, yeah, no, I actually do. Uh, that, that, the, that the Word of God is alive and powerful and it will absolutely change your life. And let me tell you that, that it is the difference between life. and Jesus didn't come to give us life. He gave us life abundantly. And that actually, it's not just now, it's not just in the future, but it's actually now that that life comes. But when the persecution comes, there's a deepness 
to your belief. Now, there's a, there's a third one. Now, he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. Now, I've got to tell you, this is probably the Western Christian this one describes the most. And these guys have got a depth of soil. But unfortunately, growing up next to the, to the great harvest is the chokes and the weeds of life, is the constant pursuit of that second mortgage, that holidaying overseas, the keeping up with the Joneses, getting our kids into the right school and, and making sure we hit those deadlines. And I've got to get my career advancement and I've got to, I've got to make sure I'm wearing the right clothes and I've got to make sure that, that I get the happiness in life that I want. And we get so consumed with what the world chases and what the world has for us that we forget actually that the Word of God in us will so abundantly supply for us that if we seek first the kingdom of God, all these things will be added unto us. And so we go out and live like the world, get as filled with anxiety as the world is, filled with depression as the world is, filled with stress and, and, and finance pressure as much as the world is. And, and really, if you were to look at the life of a Christian and the next door neighbor who is a complete, living a completely secularist lifestyle, there's really no difference between their lives. You can't tell between the wheat and the tear. You can't tell between the word of God bringing a harvest and, and the fact that somebody just lives in Australia and is blessed. But there should be a difference between a people of God and the people that are being blessed by a prospering nation. There, there, there is a difference to us that you should look different to your neighbor. And so there, there comes this fourth believer, this fourth position of our heart that the word should be hitting. And, and, and this is it. He, he says, but he who received seed on the good ground is he who hears the word. Okay, doesn't just listen to it, but actually hears it. Doesn't just come and listen to a nice podcast or a nice sermon, but actually is sitting here and having this, this word of God feed your spirit, that it's your daily bread, that you're feeding on it, that it's a, it's a meal to you right now, that it's not just some bloke up the front speaking, but it is spiritual life and truth that is hitting your spirit and it's bringing life to your soul right now and it's nourishing the fight of your faith is nourishing the generational legacy of blessing that you're breathing over your children at night when you pray over them. It's breathing life into the dreams and the passions and the purposes that God has birthed into your soul. It's breathing life onto the destiny and the purpose that God has spoken over you even before the foundation of this world was laid. That's what, that's what this word is doing right now. And it's hitting, and that's where it produces a harvest of 30, 60, 100 fold. That you go from being chased by debt collectors to living a life of prosperity and not even worrying about how you're going to fill up the car with petrol. I remember once in my, uh, you know, once again around that same period, I was putting $5 petrol in my car to get to work. Late 20s, filling up $5 as a Christian. Great seed, but no harvest. Let me tell you, that is not life of a believer. And if that's you, don't feel any shame or guilt. I was there. That, that was me. That was me in Bible college. But let me tell you, there's so much more. So much more for you. The Word of God is not only the ultimate authority of your life, but it's also the ultimate power of your life as well. You know, Jesus was giving a masterclass to His disciples on how faith worked in Mark 11. And, and, and this, is, this is what He said to them, because this faith thing was... Uh, was new to them as well. And, and, and he gave this analogy 
of this, well, it wasn't an analogy. He, he gave this demonstration of this fig tree, that he spoke to this fig tree. And, and, it, and it didn't produce fruit. And, and the disciples saw that Jesus spoke and what he spoke actually came to being. And they said, Jesus, how on earth did that happen? He said, he said let, let me tell you this, that whosoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, that man, that woman will have exactly what he says. And then he goes and he says, therefore, therefore, whatsoever you desire when you pray, and here's the two key words, believe you have received it. Now, when you look at the Greek structure of that is past tense. Greek has different tenses to it. And the tense of those words and the structure of that sentence is all past tense. It says, believe that it has already taken place. Believe that it's a done deal. Believe that it is accomplished. But often in our prayer life, we come to God like this. Dear Lord Jesus, if potentially, possibly, maybe you could, if you've got some spare time up there, I know you're whole running the world thing and sovereignty and all that, but if you find it in your schedule to maybe, possibly, you know, fit it into your day, could you find it in the kindness of your heart, Lord Jesus Christ, dear Heavenly Father, um, to, to maybe just move a little bit in this area for my life. Just a little bit. And I'm not expecting a big miracle. Just a small one's fine. Whereas Jesus is saying, that's not how faith works. Faith is you step up to the mountain and you say, mountain, be removed. And you be cast into the sea. And I'm going to say it as if it's already happened. And, and I'm going to pray as if I've received it already. In other words, God, I thank you for the healing. And this is why we can pray like that. The word that Jesus spoke on the cross when he was dying was tetalistai, which is we translate, it is finished. But in that time, that day, and its true meaning is it is paid in full. It's done. It's finished. It's accomplished. There is no more debt to pay. The kingdom has been established. The word of God is producing a harvest. Now, it's on us to believe that the Word of God in our mouth is just as powerful as the Word of God in His mouth. Thank you for your enthusiasm. And this is why faith is so hard, because that is just a, that's a big concept. And everything in the world is going to be trying to prove otherwise to us and the whole world is going to be this way and our senses are going to be telling us this way now what we see is going to be going this way and yet our faith is going to be in the in the face of it all pushing forward rowing a boat upstream but we're not moved by what we see we're moved by what we know of the kingdom of god to talistai let me give you a practical biblical example isaiah in isaiah 53 was looking forward to the cross and he says that by his stripes we are healed Second Peter, looking back at the cross, says, By his stripes we were healed. Past tense. Isaiah is looking forward to the cross. We are healed by his stripes. Peter's looking back at the cross saying, We were healed by his cross, and that's how we should pray. Thank you that I have been healed. Thank you that I have your provision. Thank you that I have your protection. Thank you that my generations are going to grow up knowing the ways of God. Thank you for the supernatural provision over my life. Thank you for your abundance. Thank you for your favor. Thank you for your loving kindness. Thank you that you are faithful. And I think this is really a true representation of the way in which Paul uses this word faith. It's the Greek word pistis. And it's probably better translated faithfulness. Now, I'm going to finish with this. I'm going to pray for some people this morning. And 
But he, the, the word is really faithfulness. I want you to understand this is the simplicity of faith. The reason we can have faith is because God is faithful. That's why we can have faith. Like if God was flippant, we couldn't have faith. Like if God like made up his mind on a case-by-case scenario, like, yep, I'm going to heal Beck because um, she actually tithes. Uh, but Andrew, I'm not going to heal him because he doesn't do his devotions. We couldn't have faith. We couldn't pray for healing if that was the measurable. Like if we were waiting for God to wake up in a good mood before he, he provided for us, then we, we couldn't have faith in that God. But there is a character and attribute for God, which is called the immutability of God. In other words, He doesn't change. It doesn't change. And matter of fact, it even says that even His shadow doesn't move. There's no shadow of turning in him. He doesn't, he doesn't, his goodness doesn't increase and his goodness doesn't decrease. His power doesn't increase, but his power doesn't decrease. His loving kindness doesn't increase and it doesn't decrease. That's why we can always go and rely on the faithfulness of God and say, I know you've healed me. I know you've saved me. I know you've delivered me and you've done it before. And I know you're going to do it again. That's why we can have faith. But here's the other application on it. Because of God's faithfulness, then we too owe it to God and the world to be faithful to His Word, the authority of His Word. But also, let's be faithful to the power of His Word. We actually have to be committed to the idea that this is supernatural. This isn't just text. It's not a historical story. It's not a fable. It's not not a musical. it's, It's the Word of God. We actually have to decide, you know what, that's, that has to be supernaturally powerful. Well, let me put it to you this way. We believe in a virgin birth. Anything after that is a lesser miracle. Anything after that is less weird. Anything after that is not as big a trial for God to pull off. We have to get over trying to form into the likeness of this world and just be comfortable with the fact that no, we're supernaturally minded. We're faith people. We're kingdom people. I don't look like my neighbour. I'm different. I walk different. I talk different. I dress a little bit more geeky because I'm a Christian. There's a difference to us. Why? It's because by His love will be known. Come on, let's stand together in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. You know, one of the things I know about faith is that it operates best in community. Because I can tire and I can get weak in my faith. But when it comes to corporate faith, we can rely and and borrow from each other's faith. And, And I just want to set an atmosphere right now for those of us who who might need to borrow some faith this morning. I, I, want, you to, I want you to feel comfortable in, in, in just coming up the front right now and just borrowing some faith. You can borrow my faith. You can borrow Pastor Andrew's faith. You can borrow the faith of the people sitting in this room right now. There are many people in this room that have seen God heal, that have seen God move, that have seen God deliver. And they're standing with us and and with you right now, standing in agreement. And and maybe this is you right now. You've never really understood how faith operates, that it's simplistic, but it's also very hard. That is simple. God said it, I believe it. Doesn't get any more complicated than that. Don't complicate it beyond God said it, I believe it. But also recognize that we're in a fight of faith. 
And maybe you're a little bit battle weary this morning. And if that's you, I want to stand. I want to pray with you. If you're needing a breakthrough in your health, if you're needing a breakthrough in your finances, if you're needing a breakthrough in your family, if you're needing a breakthrough of any description, I, I, want, I just want to open up the altar right now. I'd love to pray with you, lay hands on you, minister you, stand in agreement with you on God's Word, that it's, a, that it's powerful, that it's alive, and it's sharper than two-edged sword. So if that's you, I want you to come forward right now. I'd love to lay hands on you right now, just while the team minister. There are miracles in the house this morning. There's breakthrough in the house this morning. God's Word is powerful and it is alive. Maybe you don't need a specific breakthrough. Maybe you're just a bit tired in your faith. I want you to come forward too. I'd love to just encourage you in your faith. I'd love just to pray for a fresh impartation of His Spirit of power to come upon you. There's still time if you want to come. I'm going to begin praying and Pastor Andrew and and, and John, you want to come help me and any other ministry team that Pastor Andrew has. I just want to We're going to lay hands and we're going to believe God's word to be birthed and bring a harvest in your life. Thank you for listening. You can find out more about City Lights Church at www.citylights.community.